0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 209 Journey Podcast. I am super excited to be starting this podcast. It's been something that I've been planning here for a couple of months now. Uh, I am actually a podcaster that has been around for uh, about a year and a half uh, working on other podcasts, and I'm really excited to be able to not only have another podcast because I, I do have quite a couple of them already but to be able to talk to people here in the 209 and be able to hear their story, right? Because ultimately the goal of this podcast is to hear the story of the people of the 209, whether you were born here, whether you came from elsewhere, but you decided to make the 209 home, or if you came from elsewhere, you made the 209 home and then you left somewhere else. We want to hear your story, right? Because at one point, your journey took place in the 209, and that's what we're trying to accomplish here in the 209 Journey Podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, being that it is our first episode, I thought, who better than to invite the one person that encouraged me to start podcasting, uh, who told me about how to edit a podcast, because otherwise, it probably would have taken me a lot longer. (laughs) to figure out the podcast tool that I was trying to use, which by the way, wasn't all that great. He's got an amazing story to share too. And and I'm so impressed by all the things that he's done in a short amount of time. I actually met him while I was working at Never Boring, which is a marketing agency in Modesto, in the heart of downtown Modesto there. So without further ado, let me introduce Anthony Pacheco to the podcast. Welcome, Anthony. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, it's going well. Uh, yeah. Good thing I showed you that software on how to edit podcasts, or else you wouldn't be on. What is this podcast number four that you have? Five.
0: Uh, this is. Oh, I think I would probably say five. Although I have had others, but some of them haven't really uh, been ongoing for too long. So yeah, we could say podcast number five in terms of podcasts that have had podcasts recently.
1: <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. I can't even keep. I couldn't even keep up with one when we try to do <laughs> one. But maybe one day we'll see. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: i'm excited uh awesome yeah g- great stuff well uh you know being that it is the first episode this episode's going to be all over the place probably because it it is the beginning of this podcast uh but want to get started hearing some of your backstory right so i know you were born as i was as well right here in modesto uh tell me more about it right like what where'd you grow up and and how was it like uh here being in modesto
1: uh, yes, our lovely hometown. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think I read something about how like those who are born in Modesto don't really talk about it. Because when you're trying to do something here, like y- you generally hear people like saying, and I think this just goes with anyone who's born in any town, like they always want to leave, like, oh, I can't wait to leave my hometown or whatnot. But when you think of like, The George Lucas's and the Jeremy Renner's of the world that were born in Modesto and don't even talk about it is because when they were trying to pursue what it was that they were trying to do, like no one was supporting them. No one thought they'd ever get out of here. And the minute that you get out of Modesto or you do something, you know, to to propel your career forward, whatever it may be like people more so get jealous of you and then they get mad when you don't bring up the fact that you're from Modesto. So it's like an endless cycle of like, okay, you hate your hometown, but then like you aren't supporting the people that were trying to do something coming from here. I don't know, it's weird. But anyway, uh, yeah, I was born in Modesto. I was born at Doctors, which uh, most people I know were born there. And yeah, I actually grew up In probably the worst parts of of Modesto. I lived right next to Orville Wright Elementary, which is by the airport area. I lived there for a couple of years with my uh, grandparents because my family is originally from El Salvador. And my grandparents came to, you know, the the US. And then um, that was like the only place they could afford the airport area. I assume I don't really know their whole you know, story as to how they ended up there, but it's, a you know, not the most expensive or not the nicest place around. So I assume that's where you'd be able to afford to live, you know, being an immigrant basically. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of upgraded. I, I tell people like in the, like before we went to a, another bad area, um, we moved over to by Loma, <laughs> which uh, that's a little bit of an upgrade. Right. I guess. And then, um, Eventually, like, th- this is when I was, like, six or seven, we then moved to, like, around Modesto, the Modesto High School area, which that's, like, by by H Street downtown or whatever. So, that was another, you know, not the best area also. So, I kind of upgraded there, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I lived in, like, the worst parts, and now I'm over here, like, off of Standardford by the mall. So, I mean, it's not the nicest place, but it definitely is a, a little bit nicer, you know?
0: Oh yeah yeah and and you know we we've all gone through those uh, struggles right where you come from those backgrounds but little by little right we try to uh, better ourselves and and you know try to uh, improve on that um but yeah that's really interesting story man that that just goes to highlight right like I was saying earlier your story is so impressive to me because you 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 know you've gone from uh Going to college, right? You went to MJC for like just a short bit, right? And then you decided that college wasn't for you. And it's one of those things where I always like to say that no matter, you know, whether you go to college or you don't go to college, that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't succeed in life, right? That doesn't mean that you can't find a job that might even be as paid as like someone who went to college. And it's really awesome, man. It's one of those things that people need to realize that if you decide to leave college, it might not be all that bad, right? And here we have you as an example of deciding, you know, college isn't for you. You want to do something else. You want to be more of an entrepreneur and do your own thing. And at the same time, I know you probably had to go uh, have that conversation with your parents, right? Get all that situated. But uh, how how was that like? Like, walk me through, like, when did you make that decision of like, you know what? I'm just going to like drop out of college, try and do my own thing. You know, it's worked for other people. Like you said, George Lucas, for example, is one of those people that did that. And so mm-hmm. how did that come about?
1: Yeah, um, I think the the college thing just really stemmed from my like earlier life. Like, you know, you always hear about like, oh, our family moved here so you can go to school and, you know, get a really high paying job so you can support your family and whatnot. And, um, I always heard that growing up because like my mom had me when she was 17, um, like she had me be very young and my father, you know, my biological father wasn't in the picture. He, he dipped before I was even born. So like it, it like a little, that, that just kind of sets the stage of like where my head was at, you know, growing up, like, okay, my mom, you know, probably couldn't go to college or get like the, that high paying job as a first generation, you know you know everyone always wants like the first generation you know that's new here to go to college and whatnot and she could not do that unfortunately because she had me and um that was always something that like I subconsciously knew even at a young age because I would like see all the other kids talk about like you know their parents like oh what do your parents do and because before I I went to like yes I lived in the bad areas but by the time I hit third grade, I was doing so good in school that I got transferred to a private elementary school. It was private at the time, but now it's public. It's the um, Alberta Martone school. They had, they were like the only school in Modesto city schools that had the, uh, they called it the gate program, the gifted and, and talented education. It was like AP classes for elementary school yeah. kids. Cause like um, my, I, I'm grateful that I was able to do that. And I have to thank like my first and second grade teachers from Robertson road elementary for that. Cause like, the, you know, not just because of the area we were in, but those kids may or may not have been the brightest just based off of their, you know, background and school probably wasn't on their mind, but like I was reading like, you know, at a sixth and seventh grade reading level when I was only in like second grade. So they were like, yeah, like we got to get this kid out of here. you know? like. <laughs> He's living in the ghetto and yada yada. Like typical what you hear of like, you know, those those kids that are meant to succeed and go off to like a nice college or whatever. And um, that was like the path or kind of like the like the goal or like the path that everyone was like kind of drawing out for me. Like I went through the gate program, I had like straight A's all in elementary school. I had the option to go to Roosevelt middle school. Cause that's where all the, you know, people from that Martoon, Martone school were going to, cause Roosevelt was like the nice school. Like all mm-hmm. the people were going to go there. And, um, I had no, no way, no, like transportation, like my transportation would not allow me to go there. So I ended up going to, um, Hanshaw, which that's like off of Crows Landing. That's like the, the middle mm-hmm. school, like off of Crows Landing and, and Dallas road, I think it's called. Cause uh, that that was my la- my final upgrade before I moved out of my parents' house. We moved out of the Modesto High School area when I was like twelve. Like when I was going to go to middle school, we were in the process of moving over to off of Carpenter and Crows Landing, like where they intersect. Like in those houses, like that are all like the Spanish names, like Rancho Encantado and oh. Uh, oh. All, all that other jazz. I forgot the street names there, <laughs> but um, that's the area that I lived in. Um, I want to say like twelve and on until like I was an adult and moved out. But being in like all of these like advanced, because even in middle school I was like in advanced classes too, and I I crushed it in middle school. And long story short, I was pressured to go to modesto High School because of the IB program. The I don't even know how to pronounce that program. The interbaccalaureate, whatever.
0: Oh, so inter- something like that. I think would be yeah. The inter baccalaureate yeah I, Some, I, something
1: <laughs> something like that yeah I can't, I can't even google i can't even type right now but basically it was like, like you know you got your normal international baccalaureate yeah there you go so oh yeah add like your your normal college prep classes <clears throat> and then your ap classes and then the ib that was like the you know the the elite per se of high school classes before they restructure i don't even know if the ib program is still a thing but um that just goes to show how, like, I don't pay attention to that stuff as much anymore, but supposedly the IB level was harder. And, um, you know, again, that was the path that everyone was laying for Mm me. Like, you gotta go to these advanced classes so that you can show off in college and get, go to a good college, you know, given your background, like whatever. And, um, you know, I, I was the oldest and I still am the oldest of like 16 grandchildren in my family. So like wow. I had all of my cousins, like looking up to me, like, wow, Anthony was, you know, in these, uh, high level courses, like he's going to Modesto high to do the IB program. And again, like even subconsciously as a, as when I was younger, I was like, wow, I can't let these kids down. Like if I drop out of college, I'm just setting, you know, setting everyone else up mm. for failure. Like the pressure's on me because, mm. um, when when you're the oldest, the the pressure is on to like, make everyone like, like be a role model and be the example. Right. So I was the oldest cousin. I was the oldest out of three. Like I I have a brother, younger brother and sister. So I was the oldest there. So I had to set a good example for them. So all these things are just very like pressuring. And then like my mind, as I was entering my freshman year of high school. And when I graduated middle school, we had this like summer homework for the IB program. We had to read this book uh, by Charles Dickens called Great Expectations. It, it was the worst book I had ever read in my life. Like I love literature. I, I love a classic. I can sit down and read like no other, but that book just ruined my summer. Like it, it pissed me off. I don't know what it was about it. I think it was just because like that. that's when I felt the pressure. I was like, wow, I got to read this fat book and write a report on it and take a test on the first day. Like uh, we didn't even have orientation. Like we went, we, we went over the syllabus last like oh. on my English class. Like <laughs> as soon as we walked in, I, I remember this, like it happened yesterday. Cause like, then I had an English first period. So I was like, Oh man, like the, my first call, my first uh, high school experience was to take a test. I didn't even <laughs> know if that was allowed, but that's how they had it there. Um, so, like, the first thing I had to do was take that stupid test, and, like, that just ruined it for me. I was like, wow, this is what I'm going to do for the next four years as an ID student, like, just be treated like garbage, you know? Like, it, it just really ruined, like, the whole education system mm-hmm. for me. And, like, as I was taking that test, I was like, why? Like, this is so much for just, like, a 14-year-old, you know? Or, like, this is so much for my, my first day of, like, high school. And I I took the test, whatever, like I, as much as I like to complain, I did really well. I think I got like a B plus on it, like whatever. But it it was just like, I I don't like being told what to do, which is a bad thing. Cause like whenever you work somewhere, you have coworkers, you're always told what to do, right. Unless you're like in a leadership role, but you still have someone telling you what to do. But like, I, I, I always just question everything. Like, why do I have to do this? What's the purpose of this? Like, why, you know? And, um, yeah, like uh, I'll just fast forward through high school. like i I pretty much flunked out like towards the end, cause, like I just got very burnt out. Like I tried my hardest like the first month or two in the i b program. I just didn't have a social life like it, it it was really hard. like i I had like three to four plus hours of homework every night. I had a study for you know quizzes and tests and whatnot. And it was just a lot to take in and and it really ruined it for me. So I was like, you know what, screw this. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to try anymore. Cause like, I, I don't want to be in this IB program thing anymore. And I asked my counselor too, like, Hey, how can I get out of this? And he was like, well, you're here on a district transfer. You're not even supposed to be here. You're supposed to be a downy high. So unless you're in the IB program, like Like you have to stay in the IB program to stay at Montestabi, right? So for me, I was like, "Wow!" Like if if I go to Downey, it'll be worse because it was like technically it was within my district, but it was actually farther because I would have to take the bus to to go to Downey. But I couldn't because of how my parents' work schedule aligned. Like who was going to watch like my my siblings? You know, like who was going to take them to school? Because you know, it, it just didn't work. It wouldn't have worked out. So that was another thing where I was like, wow, I have to like force myself to be in this program unless something just comes about. And, um, that's where, like, I, I, I went through a little bit of depression there. I was upset. Like, I didn't know at the time that that's what it was. I just thought it was sad because I didn't, you know, when you're Hispanic, there, there's no such thing as depression, you know? Oh like, yeah. It's
0: just, But unfortunately, but that's changing. <laughs> Ponte
1: las pilas. Put, put your batteries on for those who don't speak Spanish. Um, that's all you got to do but yeah hopefully it's changing now they're, they're they're being more open to mental health but anyway like it, it just wouldn't have worked out so like I was like really stressed out and um yeah it was tough um but then like uh, you know the saying goes like everything happens for a reason right like um I, I like oddly enough as soon as I stepped out of the office I I like came across this like flyer thing, like on like the board or whatever. And it said something about like the performing arts Academy or something like that. It was called an high school. And I thought it was like a, a different school, like to like go to, but it was just like a program within the school. So Modesto high had the just regular college prep courses, the IB program. And then they had already done it for a year. They had the um, performing arts Academy But the Performing Arts Academy, you could only, it starts at your sophomore year, not your freshman year. So um, I enrolled in it and then I got accepted into it. I think like to try out, you just have to like write an essay. But basically what the Performing Arts Academy was, was just like college prep courses, like regular ones, but like around the arts. So like when you're reading, you know, Shakespeare or whatever, um, an English class, you know, just read it. You actually talk about like the, you know, performance aspect of it, or we had like an elective course where we had to actually build sets around like the, you know, things that we were reading about in English. So it all just like tied together. It was a really cool thing that they did. And, um, that really helped me understand that like, at the end of the day, it's not about like striving for a career just to make money. Like you should strive for a career that sure it could you know pay the bills but ultimately has to be something you enjoy doing um and at that time i had no idea what marketing was that's what i do for work now but like at the time for me it was just like music was like my passion like i grew up listening to music all the time and i wanted to be a just straight up i wanted to be a rock star but i knew that that wouldn't pay the bills so i was always told like keep playing your guitar go to school become a doctor whatever and then on the weekends you can play at the local bar so I was like okay i mean whatever that's how you know life is going to be for me i can't be a rock star so i'm going to do this and um yeah just the more i interacted with my peers and and learned about like what their aspirations were like everyone in the performing arts academy wanted to be like an actor or they wanted to be like a makeup person you know like doing makeup for um like special effects makeup and whatnot and it was really cool just being exposed to like the creative side of things um especially in high school like i I always like anytime i see anything about the education system it's like they want to get rid of the arts so that more people can be like exposed to stem you know like the coding and whatnot like they're just trying to force feed technology down people's throats nowadays which is weird but whatever um but yeah like the I attribute a lot of like my personality now and just knowing that I can like really pursue what I like doing to the performing arts Academy that I was in. Cause it really allowed me to help like get out of my shell and to like, I wasn't stressed anymore. Like I didn't feel pressure to be in like the IB program. Cause I was just, I was rough and, and crazy. Like it it really just messed me up and I had to make up those classes like my senior year, but whatever. Like I made it work. (laughs) But yeah, high school was a was a trip for sure. But yeah, like in and I saw it too. Like a lot of the people that I started at the IB program with, like, they started dropping off as well. Like I I remember, like, there was this friend I had. Um, I remember his name, but I'm not gonna say it because privacy reasons. But um I started, like, I knew him since third grade. We were in the Gates program together. We had the same teacher from since third grade up until freshman year of high school. Like, we we went, we went through it all together, basically. We weren't, like, I, we were close friends between third and sixth grade. But I think in middle school, we didn't really talk, I think, because, like, we just had, like, opposite schedules. So, we kind of just, like, fizzled out in middle school. And then... I didn't know he was at Modesto high. I found this out later. Cause then like, I, like, he just didn't look recognizable by the time I put two, two, I was like, wow, that's him. Um, and, and this was my junior year where I realized that it was him. I was like, wow, he, he's still in the IB program. That's crazy. And he like aged really badly. Like he had like gray hairs and stuff. And I was like, whoa, like this is not normal for like, a, a child, like a teenager to have like gray hairs because of his high high school classes. And, um, he, he did it. Like he stayed in the IB program all four years and whatnot. He, when he, like I saw my graduation, he had like the, the tassels or whatever he had multiple for, you know, being in all this stuff and being in the IB program and whatnot. And then, um, a year after we graduated, I think he messaged me on Facebook like, he was like, Hey, like, what's up, man. And I was like, Oh, Hey dude, like, how you been? And he was like, not much just, uh, you know, working at a car wash going to MJC. And I was like, really? Like all of that, like, you know, stress that you put yourself, like in my mind, I was, I was thinking that like you went through the IB program and whatnot. It just ended up at MJC like me, you know, like that's where I ended up. And like, I, I asked him, I was like, well, like, why are you at MJC? You know, you did all this stuff in high school. And he was like, no one cared. Like, it, it didn't matter. Like, I, I did the college essays. I, I told them I was in the IB program, but, like, none of the schools I wanted to go to cared. Like, they, they were like, well, did you do any extracurricular activities? Were you in any clubs? Like, what did you do? You just did school? And his pushback was, I was like, well, I was in the IB program. They're like, we don't care about that. Like we want someone who's like driven to like do other things other than just be in a, you know, advanced class. Like, and that, that to me blew my mind. Like, that's crazy. Cause as soon as you step foot on any college campus, what you did in high school is just irrelevant. Like all they look at is just like, okay, you, you took a couple junior JC classes. Like, okay, cool. Like what'd you do at the JC? Like high school is just thrown out the window. So to me, that was such a waste of his, like, four years of, of high school going through that, you know, program and being spoon-fed the idea that if you go through this, that it will prepare you for college or whatever. If anything, it, like, scared me of college. Like, uh, it, it just burned me out because, yeah, I didn't want to go to college if it was like that. And when I was at college, albeit it was a junior college, it was it was nothing like the IB program. It was much easier, like college was a, a breeze and I felt like I took advantage of that but more on that later.
0: <laughs> well, no that that's uh it, it's really sad to to hear stories like that and you know I think schools need to do a better job at communicating that with the students, right? They need to let them know that aside from being in these honor classes, uh you know, also encourage them to be in clubs to to do more things if they know that ultimately that's what colleges are going to be looking at they need to communicate that with everyone because like you said it, it is a shame that like the guy spent all of his life in all these uh, like uh, crazy classes right that had so much homework that had you reading those huge books and all that only for him to end up working at a car wash staying local while maybe someone else who was like on the football team, maybe got like a 2.5 GPA, uh slack route high school, uh, and then end up actually in a really good college that had they not played football, they wouldn't have been at. So it, it's, it's really sad how they, that system works and I'm with you, right? They need to do something to change that because you can't be having these stories go on because other people hear these stories, right? People listening now are hearing these stories and, I'm sure people now are like outraged, right? Like, how can you be so smart, uh, be going through this path only for a college to say, "Well, yeah, we know you're really smart, but you didn't do X, Y, and Z." Again, you weren't involved in high school, and we can't take you for that. I just feel like that's that's really unfair, and uh, I'm glad that when you realized that, you it were is. like, "You know what? <laughs> Forget that. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna like yeah, uh, I c- continue on." I
1: catch wind of that now, or I hear like even people experience that like even outside of like the college rejection like i can't tell you tell you how many like if you go on linkedin right now and filter the jobs by like entry level or whatever Mm -hmm. like it it says it's an entry-level position you need a bachelor's degree and seven years of like industry experience and it's like dude i just graduated with my like I, i don't have a bachelor's but like let's say i did have one like how am i supposed to get seven years of industry experience when i just got my bachelor's degree it takes four years to get it and then what you, you expect me to have already, you know, worked, like, I don't don't even know math three years uh, to have seven years of experience or something. Like it it doesn't make sense, but like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how um, the, just the expectation that these people have when it comes to like school or just like even like work and, and industry experience. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the steps are for change. All I know is that we do need, change
0: you know oh yeah yeah i i agree uh, i mean it starts with like politics and and uh, you know telling your politicians right to like pass bills and and encouraging those things to go on and all those advocate groups right that are out there uh, hopefully making some change on that so that you know the people who deserve to be in those uh, colleges actually make it there uh, regardless of where you come from right regardless like it, it shouldn't be any different if you're coming here from the valley or if you're coming from like LA, right? If you want to make it to the, uh, I don't know, for example, like UCLA, you they shouldn't get preference to someone who lives there in LA over someone who lives over here, right? It's like, should be fair, whether you live closer or in a big city or whether you live here in the Valley. So hopefully, hopefully things uh, change on that front. But uh, so eventually, right. You decide to also like just drop out of MJC, whatnot. Um, how did that, about though like what what did you tell like your parents or, or your family right you said uh all your relatives who were looking up to you how, how was that like like
1: yeah it was rough I like i had a lot of like just thoughts during that time because like i slowly just fizzled out of going to mjc because i was like enrolled there full time like the you know 12 credits or whatever you needed to have um i was fortunate enough to qualify for the um I think it was called the bog fee waiver to where like they waive fees on your class. So all I had to pay for were like the books and the taxes of like the classes that I wanted to take. So, um, that, that was really cool. But like, well, let me take a step back before I, I before I finally accepted my fate as just being a, <laughs> another NJC, uh, you know, person, I, I did get into Fresno state Sacramento state and, um, I think, uh, a school in San Francisco, I don't remember, but I I know for sure it was Sacramento and Fresno. Cause in, in high school and in uh, middle school, I was in the AVID program, which was like a a program to like help you to, to realize like, it's like another college prep course basically. Like if you ever, like, I think at MJC now, my sister's doing this, um, they have a course called like introductory to college or whatever. For fundamentals of college or something that to tell you what college is like, like that's what I did all in high school. And, uh, they helped me, you know, also fill out my college applications. But another thing I attribute to me dropping out of uh, MJC later on was because my avid teacher in high school, he was great. Um, he, he told me if you're going to go to college, just to get a bachelor's degree don't even bother going a bachelor's degree is as common as a mcdonald's french fry so if you're going to go to so if you're going to go to college you better go get your master's or your doctor's or your phd or whatever and i was like what like everyone always talks like how bachelor's degrees are good like what do you mean it's common what do you mean it's not important but whatever i would argue you can still get far with a bachelor's degree but um Yeah. Like I I just had like a realization and was just thinking a lot when I was at MJC, like why am I like, or no, before I accepted going to MJC, I was like, why am I going to go to a four-year college if I don't know what I want to do yet? Like what's the rush? Like, I know I should go to college sooner rather than later, but like, why am I going to go waste, you know, the government's money or, you know, my money or whatever um, if I don't know what I want to do yet? So I just bit the bullet and went to MGC for a little bit, but like I slowly just started, you know, (laughs) I stopped showing up to classes (laughs) because I was just like, man, like uh, I don't like this. Like I don't, I don't like being here. Like it it just doesn't feel right because I don't know what I want to do. Like I was still playing music at the time too, so I was like, I just want to play music and just continue doing that and uh, you know try it out. At the time, like my my band was also doing somewhat well like we were playing a lot of shows in in sacramento um then just down in los angeles that's the other thing about like modesto that at least musicians don't really like like literally the only place you can like play at is the queen bean coffee house and like um depending on what type of music you play that may or may not be appropriate um for us we were playing rock music so that was like a no-go most of the time but anyway um a lot of the shows we were playing were in sacramento and the band was picking up traction so i was like okay like maybe i should just like stop going to college so i can focus on this i'll get a job and start making some money so i started working at um an electronic store called best buy and um yeah that was fun for a little bit and i i moved up rather quickly i became a a uh, digital lead they called it a um, team leader so I was like in charge of like the video game and and camera department so that was fun and um, yeah they were pretty flexible with my work schedule and whatnot I mean my band schedule so like if I had to go on like tour or something like they would let me like request a week off so I thought that was pretty cool and this was around the time too where I was like looking for ways to like promote my music and promote my art which kind of segues, way into, segues into like what I do now. Um, and also like how I came to be at, you know, where we met, which is the Never Boring Marketing Agency. Um, I was just doing research on like paid ads and how to grow, you know, an online fan base and it worked. you know, I, it did pretty well in the music and uh, you know, our, our first album charted billboard, which is really cool. Um, and a lot of it was due to the online marketing that I was doing for us, which is just like involving myself in Facebook groups, interacting with people who would like our music. And, um, yeah, that, that was all great. And I attribute to where I am in my career now as a, you know, marketer that niches music a lot to like, just me being a musician firsthand and and doing the marketing myself. And, um, yeah, like college is great if you know what you you know want to do and whatnot and like they say like you know do your general studies and then you'll figure out what you want to do but again I I just found it kind of backwards like I needed some real world experience like you know whether it is having like a you know not so great part-time job at a you know big box retail store and just really learning like that customer service really isn't uh (laughs) a fulfilling career, you know, like no one wants to be yelled at for the rest of their lives. I mean, I understand people have to do those jobs, but like, you know, hopefully you would want to do better for yourself after experiencing that. And, you know, whether that is moving up within the company, working at, you know, on a corporate level or even like at a district level, like that, that's another thing that I actually explored being a Best Buy employee. Like I didn't like the the customer service aspect of it i really liked the the numbers side of it like they were very like i was very involved as like even before a manager like i knew exactly how much money my department had to make to be profitable so like those are like the business like that that business mindset that they gave us really like helped me um be more hands-on like uh, you and i were both very like aware of like you know pnl in the agency that we worked in, like, Oh, we got to be conscious about how many hours we put into this project to not go over and so on and so forth. So like a lot of those things, yeah, I could have learned that in college, but like, I-, I felt like for me and the way I learned, it was better to see it happen, you know, firsthand or for it to unfold. So um yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I chose the right path and like, a lot of people ask me like if you had stayed in college did the four years gone a bachelor's degree do you think you'd be where you're at now and I would tell them no like I probably would be like at a job I'm like not happy with to be honest like I probably wouldn't even be doing marketing I would be doing something else like coding or something that I don't really enjoy but um yeah it's weird like I'm just glad how things worked out and even if it made people unhappy, like you asked me, like, how how was that conversation when I told my family that like, I'm not going to school. Um, I never told them that I wasn't not going to school. They thought I was going to school the whole time. So <laughs> jokes on them. Um, I was paying for it too. So it's not like they noticed like, Hey, like where's their you know, where's the schooling money going towards like, like I said, I, I was helped out by MJC to get like the fees weighed. So like I was paying for it out of my part-time jobs and, you know, but I just wasn't going to school anymore. <laughs> and they never knew until like I told them, Hey, I got this job at this marketing agency with, you know um, yeah. And they're like, Oh, well, what about school? And I was like, Oh, I, I stopped going a long time ago, but that's okay. <laughs> we don't talk about it. And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, whatever. Like you're an adult. Oh, we don't care you're you live it. you live with your girlfriend you live by yourself like whatever um but yeah that's that's how it all worked out I guess
0: well, well that's awesome I mean it's good that the conversation wasn't uh anything different right and and you know it, it ultimately yeah. did work out for you and I, I always like I said earlier I, I always say this that college isn't uh, for everyone and even as a college graduate, like there are a lot of things that we do in, in our own career fields that college never taught us. And th- that's not necessarily because, you know, college wouldn't teach you that, but because sometimes certain colleges don't have uh, maybe the most up-to-date curriculum and they might still be teaching things that might not be as relevant by the time that you actually graduate, which... It's really yeah, you sad. say you took
1: like a computer class where they were teaching you Dreamweaver or something?
0: Yeah, I, I, I took one, <laughs> like, and this was actually when I started too.
1: But like, still, like Dreamweaver's been like obsolete since like the early 2000s, hasn't it? Like,
0: yeah, n- now it's it's all about right, right WordPress. You know, but WordPress is the one, right? And I remember years, or at least around that time, they no one was giving you a class on WordPress. It was all Dreamweaver. FTP transfer which for those of you who don't know is when you actually work off the software and you directly uh just transfer the information to your website without even going on your hosting uh site builder or anything like that uh it's it was like a one click transfer to that but i mean i mean there might still be some people that do that but wordpress i think is is the king of <laughs> website yeah. you know creation so yeah that's that's one example that's that's a good example right there on on how um you know things could get obsolete so quickly and and then you're like hey is my web designer degree worth anything not that I'm a web designer but I was going that route and then now I think about it I'm like hey it's it's great right that I didn't go that obsolete route but but yeah in your case Mm -hmm. uh, I mean you did much better I, I do agree with you you probably would be kind of like, like in the coding world I could see you in some sort of like techie world having to like not really talk to anyone on the computer all day yeah. uh customer I mean, service it is going to be,
1: it, yeah it is going to be full circle because I have been working on a um software as a service thing for music marketing specifically I'm not coding it I'm I'm <laughs> basically like you know product man like if I if it were a formal title like I'm not going to call myself a CEO because I think that's cheesy but like <laughs> if I were like a a product manager, basically like I come up with the ideas or like what it would look like or whatever. And then I, I tell the developer that I hired, like, Hey, like this is what I want it to do. How do we do this? And then I give him money and he does it. So that, that, that's my techie thing. So like, if it were like, yeah. Like if I was not a music marketer, I think I would be like in the tech world, I would probably be like a product manager or a project manager or something like that. That just comes up with the ideas because that's what I'm doing now for my software mm-hmm. as a service startup thing. So I don't know. We'll see.
0: Which is good. I mean, you could be the visionary and someone else is the one who comes up with everything because like we know so many people that have been like that, right? A lot of successful people. They don't necessarily build it, right? Like Walt Disney didn't build Disneyland. Uh you got uh, Steve Jobs wasn't like actually building every single like yeah. computer and phone. And and you know, they they made it big, right? Where where, where they were at. And uh and it's worth out for you. You I know you also do the your simple marketing agency, music marketing agency that uh you know just got born while we were both uh, never boring. And that was really great. And then just seeing how much it's evolved during these Months and now I think what is it like two years old? I think or somewhere around there at the at this point. And uh yeah,
1: you were there in the early days when I didn't even have a name for it. Like it was more <laughs> of just like an idea. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of marketing gurus and music. Like maybe I should try something. So yeah, here I am. Yeah, still doing it.
0: Yeah, and, and that's uh, you know, that's not an easy thing, right? To to start something and be like, let's let's see, you know what, where this goes to. I have all this knowledge in marketing, but I also want to mix it in with my passion for music and it works out great, right? I, I see the results that y- you uh, share with everyone and you've had some interesting names in the band world that you now work with. And it's it's awesome to, to see you working and to see you deliver results that I'm sure, you know, they get so impressed and they're like, oh, how'd you do this?
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, like it's weird. in in marketing for me because like where your background in marketing stems from is like direct ROI or like you know you're marketing a product or you're marketing a service but it's weird marketing like music because there's never like a solid return on investment Mm -hmm. like a thousand streams like on Spotify is like the equivalent to like you know seven (laughs) dollars and then you got to split that with the record label and all the songwriters if you're a band and like that you're left with nothing so like it, it's really hard to like for one sell it like what you're gonna pay me you know x amount of dollars for you to make like 50 bucks like that that's like backwards like no business whatever do that <laughs> to be honest but um the the reason we're successful is because we don't just drive up numbers we drive up actual communities and fan bases for these people and that in itself is like you, you can't put a price on that like if i can get you like 50 or hundred people that are going to message you each and every single day or comment on every single Instagram post, like I, you would pay good money for that, you know? Mm. Um, and it's just a matter of putting the music in the right people and executing it in the right way. So um, yeah, it's always really cool to do that for people. And that's always my pitch whenever like people ask me for like marketing advice or if they want me to consult on their business that like, you know, like if it's like an e-commerce store or like a service-based business, I'm like, if I can make people happy that don't walk away with an roi imagine how happy you're going to be when you walk away with like <laughs> actual you know roi because as much as I love music there's really not much money in it you know
0: oh yeah yeah especially these days being the uh as as much as you know I hate to say it right like I know cds are, are more obsolete right no one's buying a cd to still play <laughs> on their like no. display or anywhere like that and and it's a shame right because I it's so cool to just own, you know, an actual item versus saying, well, I own it digitally. But it's like, yeah, but do you actually have the item that you can have in your collection and have all that? And um, So, yeah, it's it's something else there. But, um, yeah, no, that's got to be really challenging to to go through that. But, you know, I think it's just like they say, right, in, in the business marketing world, too, right? You get one customer and if it's a super loyal customer, that one's going to drive so much more business because they're going to go out there and uh, do word of mouth which is arguably one of the best marketing techniques you can have just in general right so I I can imagine that having 50 to 100 fans that are so dedicated to their music and whatnot over time just uh, multiplicates into like 100, 1000, 2000 and before you know it they know that each one of them is telling someone else and that's that's how bands uh, end up growing and it's all about fostering those first 50, 100 loyal fans, right? That are gonna help you out with that. So yeah, really great job with all you do with that. Uh, One uh, thing uh, that I do wanna bring up before we uh, end our first episode here is that thanks to your marketing agency and and also of course to your experience, right? I'm Never Boring and I'm sure at other jobs as well, Um, but maybe more so the music agency you founded, Uh, you end up getting recently a job with uh, Sony can you tell us more about that and and just how was that like how was the experience like
1: Yeah um this the Sony situation like happened over time like it's been in the works since like last August like still during the pandemic and um I think I woke up one night and I was just like I don't want to say angry but like I was just like writing on my notepad like just things that I started to see changing And uh, I heard your voice in the back of my head, like how marketing is changing in 2021. Like, you know, that um, SEO trick, like when it's the year 2020, like start writing about 2021, like Mm -hmm. early. So I did that. I wrote an article called how music promotion is going to change in 2021. Mm -hmm. I wrote that in 2020 and um, without getting super techie, it did really well on SEO. I'm I'm proud of that article. I could probably fix it up more (laughs) now, but anyway, um i wrote that and it did really well on like linkedin they got a lot of likes they got a lot of shares and um this podcast like this music industry podcast like they niche and like they always talk about music business and music industry stuff um the hosts like read it like on their podcast like they were doing commentary on it, like they were like skimming over it talking about it and um it was featured in their newsletter which i actually was on their podcast, like their other podcast last week. And, um, I guess they had like 10,000 people on their email list and, uh, you know, a couple of them were people from Sony and, uh, one of the, uh, in ours at the label that I work at, um, emailed me, it was like, Hey, like I read your article here. Like, this is really cool stuff. I just wanted to say hi. So we had been talking since like last August and I wasn't looking for a job at that time. I was just focusing on, you know, growing my own agency and TikTok. and, um, long story short, like at the top of this year, we reconnected and they were like, Hey, like we have a, you know, job opening. Like if you're interested, like, you know, just apply for formality's sake, but it's there if you want it. And I was like, oh, okay. Because we had talked like multiple times about just like marketing. Like it, it was basically networking. Like I was just talking to him about like what I do and how like what I would do if I were to help out his artists. And um, yeah, fast forward to now it worked out. Um, I work in the comfort of my home in Minnesota, California. I don't have to work, be at the LA or the New York office for Sony. And yeah, I, I work there now. So Sony Music is like a venture capitalist kind of like they have a lot of little labels. Like they have Columbia records, they have RCA, they have a bunch of like joint venture labels. I work at a joint venture label called disruptor records that the, the CEO of this label, he was the man, or he still is the manager of the chain smokers. And, um, he started a, a record label through Sony, I believe, for them, or that was like the artist that really took off in order to start that label, and we're in a unique position because we only have eleven employees, including myself, like on the direct team. So, like rather than like if I were to have started out like Columbia or RCA, I'm sure they have like a hundred plus employees. So it still has it, it still feels like a small business kind of to where like I can make an impact like almost immediately or like an impression almost immediately, and I feel like I already have in the short time I've been there. So um yeah, who knows what's next, you know. Um yeah, I'm just really happy that I started at a smaller label at a major label basically, because we also partner up with the bigger labels, like we like the Chain Smokers is signed to Disruptor, but it's also signed to Columbia Records, which is a that record label has like Harry Styles and a bunch of other big A-list artists. So I get to interact with that team as well and you know, if I'm nosy enough, if I could find out who the marketing person is and just you know talk to them because we're basically coworkers. We all work for the same wow. company, but there's opportunity there. You know, like there's there's overlap there. I guess like so. I I think that's a, a really cool situation to be in for sure.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's really awesome. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, I'm so impressed with how far you've gone and and how far you're going to continue to go and. You know, really, really putting the name of uh, Modesto up there, and 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 really uh, getting yourself out there in in an industry that you love, because uh, I know how much you love music, and that that's that's got to be uh, like you're you know you're almost there in in the dream job that you want, and and you're working towards it, and really want to thank you so much, right, for being on this first uh, episode of the 209 Journey, Anthony. Uh, you know, it was really awesome. Uh, catching up back with you, I know we hadn't really spoken too much in 2020, and so it's uh, really cool to hear your story. There's a lot of things that I'd never heard. So for all the listeners, a lot of things that he mentioned today, I had no idea about, and it's really awesome uh, hearing those things and and just how far you've gone in life and super inspiring. And I hope someone listening, uh, you know, got inspired by by your story and if they don't go to college, know that you know they 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 too can can make it to, to where you're at right now. So. And where you'll you'll be too, of course. So, yeah, thank you, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. We'll talk soon. Okay.
0: Okay. Awesome. Take care. You too. Thank you so much again to Anthony Pacheco for being our first guest here on the Two Hundred Nine Journey Podcast. Really enjoyed the conversations. uh, Really amazing. All that he's done in such a short amount of time, and you know, I, I think he has a really bright future. And you know, hopefully, he keeps moving up in in the music industry. And, you know, we we can see him out back with his uh, band, too, because uh, I know aside from helping bands succeed, he also loves to, you know, play the guitar, plays uh, music and be able to tour around the country as well. So best of luck, Anthony. And thank you so much to all of you for listening to this first episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, We have a Facebook and a Twitter page. You can follow us there if you search for the 209 Journey podcast. On Twitter, it's at the 209 Journey. On Facebook, you can also just search for the podcast and you will be able to find the page there. Please give us a follow. If you'd like to be on the show or if you know someone who could be interested in being in the show, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media platforms there. Send us a message. Let us know too. I am working on getting more guests on the shows. So thank you so much to everyone for listening again. We'll see you next time here on the 209 Journey podcast.